0: Hi team, Richard Greer here, CP Media. We're here with Matt and He's gonna jump into the show in any second. Now there he is. And yeah. uh this tonight's show is brought to you, proudly brought to you by Solomon and Team CP, your endurance coaching specialist. Matt, you're leading the charge tonight, pushing the buttons, making sure you keep me in line and going the right direction. How are you getting on tonight? Yeah,
1: yeah, good thanks. Yeah, and for people that are watching the show tonight, um, we've got some really cool guests. Um, if you're watching this um on uh Facebook, throw some comments up. Um, We'll see what they are during the during the course of the evening, Um, and we can maybe answer some of your questions. But yeah, really looking forward to um, uh, hearing how it really was in the in the real world. Pretty easy to watch this race from the from the computer and watch the
0: dots cruising along. But um, yeah, really keen to hear what really goes on. Yeah, so we're talking Godzone tonight, aren't we? And it it is tough watching Godzone via the computer. Actually, get a feel what actually is happening there and how tough it actually is or good it actually is etc and and in terms of where teams are racing and how they're how they're managing themselves and who are going well and not so well so yeah really keen to get a bit of an insight from um from our guests and also the race director we're going to talk to warren bates tonight have a bit of a chat to him about what it's actually like uh to try and manage athletes, competitors over, I don't know, they must be spread out over at least 400 kilometres of actual course, which is must be a bit of an undertaking, a little <laughs> bit stressful. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a chat to Laura Patty, who had a crack at the at, at God's Own and uh, what her experience is about in terms of getting to the actual start line, that was a challenge, and then getting her and her team in one piece to the finish line. Uh, and then we're also going to have a chat to Sophie Hart, God's Own winner team, um, part of Team Avaea, and uh, yeah, get a bit of a feel for what her team and uh, of of Stu Linth, Nathan Fave and Chris Fawn, what they were about and how they actually kind of continuously do this kind of event in event out, year in, year out and sort of just really set the bar in, across the world, really, in terms of how good these guys are. It's impressive, isn't it?
1: Oh, it sure is. And, yeah, as you say, just time and time again, I guess they're just so dialed in. I guess you hear the stories. know, we talk about it on different podcasts about... Now, I guess particularly with coast to coast, and a lot of it's around being efficient and being organised. And and these guys, you know, you see them at the pointy end of the field, and they are just, you know, it's it's a pleasure to watch almost. They're just so in the zone of what has to go on, and it doesn't seem to matter. I guess from the outside, whether you're seeing them at the first transition or the last one, you know, getting to the finish line, it's um, they're just like a clock. It's it's really mm. cool to see.
0: Yeah, that's right. That teamwork and and uh, how they actually work with each other and and uh, and also want to have a chat to Sophie just about how she actually prepared for this thing. She's a she she's a doctor. She's got a couple of kids. She's got busy. Like, just busy about to actually prepare to be able to keep up with the rest of the guys. Um, so fantastic <laughs> athlete, but also just real life how that works for her as well.
1: Yeah, cool. Let's um, bring on the show, eh?
0: Yep, sounds good. <laughs> so to tonight.
2: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Thanks for having me. That's a bit of an introduction. Um.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Whereabouts are you um reporting live for us uh, from tonight, Sophie?
2: I am reporting live from our balcony in the Marlborough Sounds. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, still, calm evening here, looking out over the water, so it's nice.
0: Fantastic. Good. I was just about to ask you for a weather report, but you've already given me that. That's fantastic. Yeah. Very good, very good, and uh, and, and I mentioned uh, you've got a couple of young kids as well, are they dealt with, are they in bed, are they sort of settled down or are Um, they uh, quite happy to be outside right now? uh,
2: 50% uh, strike rate (laughs) there, yeah, one out of two, we had a wee fall out of bed incident earlier so that kind of put a spanner in the works but I think we're on track now.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, sorry, no, sorry. <laughs> we may how, have some
2: interruptions.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that's all, all part of the fun of it as well, isn't it? Um, how are you going? Like, the event finished a week and a half ago. How's the recovery been so far? Were you back to work on Monday? How are you feeling now?
2: Yeah, I feel pretty fine now. And in an actual fact, it kind of feels like it never even happened. Um, right, we finished sure. the race on, on Thursday and just, you know, with COVID and all the restrictions around, you know, there not been any prize giving or any gatherings afterwards, mm. our whole team sort of left Dunedin on Friday, and um, we got home on Saturday, and we had Sunday here, and then I was back at work on Monday, uh, right. and so yeah, really, you know, feels like it was eons ago already. Um, so yeah, I know I'm feeling pretty pretty well recovered just from a day to day basis. I wouldn't want to be going out doing any sort of heavy training at the moment. Um, that's still a while away, I think.
0: Yeah, 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 no. Nice. So how does it long does it usually take you to recover from something like this? Like it's a big toll mm-hmm. on your body, based on all that mm-hmm. that, that sleep deprivation and and just Mm. the aside from that just the physical challenge of the massive week as well yeah how did you take
2: well I guess it kind of depends on the race but um I guess um sort of broad brush I'd usually expect about a week of just being really tired early in Mm. the evenings um and then the second week that sort of uh, resolves a bit and maybe I would start doing just some gentle sort of half an hour jogs if I felt like it or just you know some easy paddles and that's just purely for mental health you know because I enjoy it not really for any Mm. physical benefit Um, and then starting like in terms of actual being physically ready to train again that's usually about a month after an event um, like this.
0: Yeah, yeah fantastic so can you just give us a bit of an overview a bit of a recap on what the event was about like as I mentioned to Matt right at the start like it's it's tough to watch a dot and get a feel for what's happening mm-hmm. and try to see some updates that come through on social media and they're always so much sparser than what you ever want them to be it's tough sure. to, kind of, to cover this this yeah. epic event so give us a bit of a sort of overview of how it sort of unfolded for you guys
2: um Oh, I think, um, obviously, we knew it was going to be a long course. We'd been warned about that for months and months in advance. You know, it's the 10th anniversary. They wanted to make a real, um, you know, uh, challenge and they'd made that quite clear. So we um, started reasonably conservatively, um, well, quite conservatively, just with the um, knowing that it was, you know, we were probably going to be out there for sort of five to seven days. Um yeah. And then I think we just sort of, I don't know, the days just turned into a complete blur. Usually the first 24 hours, it's like, oh, my God, this race is going to be so long. We're never be able, able And then yeah. you just get into this rhythm and then all of a sudden day two, day three, day four are gone and you can finally sort of eye up the finish line. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We sort of, um, we were really pleased with the way things went. We had a fairly smooth race. You know, we had no major sort of hiccups along the way. So it was good.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Um, so, like, for you guys, is it a team tactic to always kind of try and get to the front early and, and try and be out of sight, out of mind? Is that what you guys sort of try and shoot for? Because it tends to be what kind of happens.
2: Mm, yeah, and certainly I think that's what people, um, de- people have definitely said that in the past, and that's what some people think, but it's, it's definitely not. Um, right. Sometimes we just find ourselves out in the front, um, but, you know, yeah. Uh, um, particularly internationally you know when you're at the world champs and things we'd actually prefer probably to be sitting back in third and fourth a lot of the time we don't try to get to the front at all and in the longer races you know it's sort of um you know that's a a really bad race plan to try and get to the front early because there's such a lot of course
0: yes 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 so is it just naturally out of sort of chris's excellent navigation and not really making any mistakes and just your being efficient that you're able to just kind yeah, of yeah that that yeah e- of
2: exactly it. exactly it's just efficiency really and chris's nav you know and because we're not traveling faster than the teams around us necessarily um or definitely not on the first day you know there's teams out there that are pushing hard and going faster than us but mm. you know you you go hard you get a bit frazzled and you make mistakes and then um it's always a little bit. Um, you know, you get quite despondent when all of a sudden, you know, you think you're out in front and you're trying really, really hard, and then you turn around and all the other teams are out right there again because you've been, you know, flustered and made these mistakes yes. that don't, you don't need to be making on the first day.
0: And how do you find that yourself? Like in a in a in a an event with three other guys and you're, a, you're in, in that team, like do you find yourself in that first day? Maybe not so much this time because it was going to be a, a longer mm. event and maybe you've been a bit slower. But do you find yourself yeah. redlining sometimes? Because that's yeah. that's stuff at yeah. the start of a event like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, definitely. There's been adventure races where um, I have been redlining, you know, I've got um, memories of redlining coming up through um, uh, the Homer tunnel (laughs) on our bikes. Um, I think that was in the first God zone. And, you know, yeah, the shorter races that are four days, absolutely. The pace is hot. Um, Over the years, I have learned some strategies to try and sort of minimize um, my energy output, you know, really tucking myself in behind the guys on the bike, and and even running, you know, I just sort of shuffle along behind them, sort of at a good distance, so I can kind of cut corners and, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of micro-adjust from the mm-hmm. back. So I've learned mm-hmm. strategies along the way to sort of manage that a little bit, yeah. But it's absolutely definitely not, and and you're 100 right. Not in this race. The the first day was nice and steady and slow, and in particular because I was sort of carrying a bit of a uh, um cough going into the event um where, where we started out quite conservatively as well which was good
0: yeah yeah nice work so i mean an adventure race compacts a lot of life into one week isn't it um often the highs are absolutely amazing on the other hand the yeah. lows can be pretty tough so yeah you got one or two of those lows like your first little intro as i said uh, summarize the race for, for us it sounded like oh yeah it was pretty good thanks so but i'm sure yeah. there was a sort of sticky moments or didn't all exactly go to plan or you were just in the Hurt Locker at at some point? Any of those that spring to mind?
2: Yeah. Um, I think the biggest lows are mental, mental challenges, you know, Mm -hmm. um, physically things hurt at times. Um, uh, I think for me, probably the biggest low, um, was on the first night. And if anybody's read Nathan's race report, they would have read about that. Um, It was really quite strange. I think it was just a combination of factors going into the event, you know, just feeling like, um, you know, it's quite a sort of self-indulgent activity to be doing and Mm -hmm. leaving um, work at a time where things were really taking off in terms of COVID. Um, You know, I guess, you know, left um, my husband, Nick, um, and, you know, we've got a big building project ahead of us here. And um, I guess I just really struggled mentally to get into a race mindset. In the past, I've been able to sort of switch that. And I know before Eco Challenge um, in Fiji, I had the same thing um, in the few days leading up to the race, you know, sort of questioning why I was there and what I was doing. But I can really recall having sort of that um, distinctive change in mindset that actually I'd made that decision to be here. You know, there was no point being all negative about it because that was then just going to be a complete waste of time and I kind of backed myself to do the same with this race but I just didn't quite get there before the event and that Mm. first night was really long and there was sort of a lot of time spent mulling over those sorts of things um and just sort of questioning really what the purpose of the whole thing was but then the sun came up and then yep. he pat, grafted down the pike and then we had a lot of laughs and ate a bit of food and the rest of the race was quite good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good, good. I yeah. guess a lot of that is often talked out. Like obviously Nick is um, super supportive and you guys have oh, amazing, got a yeah. supports and network around you, which mm. helps that happen. And, and probably that's the conversation that you wanted to have him there to have a chat just to go, uh, what am I doing? Would that oh, be... Tot-
2: totally totally and you know I have conversations with him in my head when I'm out there and he would just say don't be ridiculous you know (laughs) you're doing great keep going and um but yeah and the funny thing was is that we were all quite quiet that night and I really thrive on the energy of my teammates and you know we do have a lot of laughs out there and that's what really keeps my um spirits up and there wasn't really any banter going on and I didn't actually realize um until we started talking about it the next day that actually Chris and Nathan we're all sort of in a similar position, you know, they're all sort of feeling a little bit kind of, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. um, and, you know, Chris had a 10 day old baby at home. Um, so he would have that really kind of um, pulled, yeah, I yeah. think in both directions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But once you're into it committed and then you've probably chatted. Through oh that, yeah,
2: that. totally. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: yeah. All in. Um, sleep is a key part of any adventure race. How did you guys do that this year? And, and I guess, is that sleep strategy evolved over the years as you've, done it better are you finding yourself maybe sleeping more than what you used to just to race better and make less mistakes how does that go for you
2: yeah yeah absolutely i mean i think um this year we um the the longer races are quite good (laughs) i quite like them because you get into such a your own little rhythm within your team and you do get to um indulge in slightly longer sleeps so the first night we didn't sleep at all but that was really just because we didn't start until about and we didn't start until 12 you know middle of the day so um if we'd started early in the morning we probably would have slept that first night as well um and then after that we sort of just had good chunks of sleep each night you know um uh, three to four hours um all our sleeps were um we I think when, you know, going back a few years now, we probably didn't sleep as much. And um, I, in particular, was always reluctant to sleep, sort of in denial that I was tired and needed to sleep. Yeah. Um, and, but I do think, you know, our team's probably matured a bit in that sense as well. Um, Nathan's always sort of advocated to, to sleep a bit more. Um, uh, and then, you know, I've, probably come on board with that mindset a bit more now in these longer races you just you have you have to kind of take those bigger sleeps um you can't get by on just sort of two hours really you just end up yeah you just end up running yourself into the ground and all those things that crop up on day five you know that higher you know the higher rate of infections and injuries and um, foot troubles you know they're Mm -hmm. all much more likely if you're not giving yourself that extra little bit of recovery
0: yeah, yeah. So three or four hours is actually, as you say, kind of almost luxurious, isn't it? Oh, uh,
2: absolutely. Totally luxurious. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And yeah.
2: we were really fortunate too. Like most of our sleeps, so oh, there's one or two, one in particular, but my, the, the rest of them were actually really good quality sleeps. And that makes quite a big difference too. You know, we yeah. were warm, we were dry, um, yeah. they were in, you know, it was at a reasonable time of the night. You know, we could maximize um, getting rid of the sort of the witching hours. Um, yeah. So we were, it was, that worked out quite
0: well for us. Cool. and there's a bit of luck involved in that but also good management and you guys actually working yeah. hard in those places and sort of preparing
2: yeah that's right I think course. it was it was probably yeah absolutely it's a bit of both a bit of luck that you know you come across a good place at the right time but it, but also we're we're looking forward you know we're looking ahead and thinking well let's not sleep here let's get to there and sleep or yep. let's stop a bit earlier than what we normally would because this is a really great place and then we'll push on through so yeah yep.
0: Yeah, nice nutrition. It's a big one. Like you're, it's a thon isn't it? Like if you're going to fuel your body well, you're going to go well. If you're not going to yeah. eat so well, you're going to have a yeah. gut that's going to be turning yeah. upside down and your- Yeah, exactly. And that's what I want to talk to you about as well. Like, what a week's worth of food, especially when you're doing <laughs> yeah. what you're doing, is uh, pretty epic. What do All you right. eat? Do you have hot food? How do you manage your nutrition through through that witching yeah. hour at five yeah. a.m. So,
2: so we have a a real big range of food you know and I don't think it would be much different to any other team out there we just have a lot of savory stuff you know chips and nuts and um, crackers and things and then we have lollies and biscuits and um but the game changer I think for us and this sounds like it's an advertisement but it's not um Nathan's got a freeze dry meal company called Real Meals and they're delicious meals and you can actually rehydrate them with cold water So we take a lot of them on course and they have been a game changer. It's kind of hard to know what we did before they, before we had them and they're great. You know um, we don't generally have hot food out on course, um, Mm. but you know um, with the luxury of a supported race, we definitely have hot food and transition areas for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good. So that means you can just eat proper food, and that probably helps Yeah. those mouth ulcers and things come out of just too much sugar. Yeah, absolutely.
2: And, And, you know, just that dry food, trying to put it in your mouth. And the other good thing about them is is that they're really quite light. So if you're not entirely sure how long a stage is going to take, it's like, Mm -hmm. well, actually, I don't want to be hungry, so I'm just going to chuck in another meal, and that can last you two hours. You know, it's quite a good sort of buffer. Yeah,
0: they're really good. good. Yeah, fantastic. That's your that's your key your key go to. Um, yeah. How did you do go about training for this? As I mentioned, you're a busy lady, lots on, um, and your house was damaged as well. Yeah. Um, how did you do that uh, to be mm. able to be at any sort of useful level to actually be able to to compete at the level that you were doing?
2: Yeah. Uh, it it was really hard this time. Like I would say that it's probably one of the hardest um, build ups that I've had for all of the reasons that you just said. Um, mm uh Nick is amazing um uh I don't really know how he puts up with me sometimes but I guess I wouldn't there are a couple of things normally I would have a training program for an event like this and I didn't this time and I really regret that because it's my nature to um feel like I should be maximizing every minute in the day. So if I'm yeah. at home and there's a spare hour, I kind of feel like oh, I should go for a run or, you know, I should be out badly. And so when mm. I'm not doing that, I'm like sort of plagued by this, you know, I should be out doing I this. Should, I should be out yeah. doing this. Um, whereas on a training program, you know, you'd have those light days and be like, well, I've ticked off my thing for the day. That's cool. I'm just going to chill and hang out. So <laughs> I found that that quite challenging um, and I won't, I wouldn't do it again. It doesn't matter how big or small the event was, but I think when you're juggling kids and work and life then it's quite important to have something that's an easy structure for the rest of the family to see as well mm-hmm. um we're also really fortunate in that my parents came down for a good chunk of time again to help out um with the with the kids and um also just to give yeah to give us a bit of support they quite like following the racing and things so they're it's um yeah they they are keen to come and help out um where they can um, in terms of actually the training, I guess I you know because I enjoy the training a lot, I just have a baseline throughout the whole year really um, and then just try and sort of ramp it up for sort of um six weeks beforehand and slot it in to kind of um try and slot it into life as much as possible so you know if we're driving away for a holiday i'll get a head start on the bike or you know nick will pick me up or you know he'll kick me out the door a couple of hours out the road and i'll finish off on a bike or something like that and you know i definitely try it's key for me to get in some big hikes um with the pack on and um nathan and i managed to get out for a few missions together which was really good and once you know i sort of got four or five decent days walking like you know 12 12 hour give or take days and I'm sort of my feet are starting to feel kind of ready so yep. I managed to get that in do
0: you do any overnight or late night type stuff or is actually that just going to fatigue you <coughs> day, yeah
2: so yeah in. yeah Nathan said he used to do that um sort of way back when in his first stint of professional yep. racing um but it just takes too much out of you you know for the rest of the week you can't train efficiently mm-hmm and you're too fatigued to do anything. So it's more detrimental than anything to be, you know, sleep depriving yourself um, in training. It did happen a couple of times, but it wasn't intentional. <laughs> it's just they turn into bigger adventures than what they were planned. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's a good story, but uh, yeah, not, yeah. not, not what we are planning for. Um, what would yeah. advice would you give for new athletes looking to take on God's own? Because I know that there's a lot of chat and it's definitely sort of Feels like it's kind of picking up and up, to be honest, in terms of yeah. the, the feel around and yeah, it's pretty cool. Sort of, yeah, yeah, it's awesome. mm. so what are you, any sort of key tips at all for new people? Well, I
2: I guess the biggest thing for me is having a really supportive team around you. You know, you kind of um, you do go through some really hard times, and you kind of want to be around people who you can connect with, and because um, for me that's what gets gets me through. Um, you know, some of those hard times. Um, so you want to have a good team around you um and being sort of proficient at navigation you know you've got to have somebody who's pretty comfortable with maps and I think um in terms of actually um you know getting to the race start um I think I I you know I imagine it could be quite intimidating and overwhelming coming to such a big event but um you know, it is definitely achievable for a lot of people out there. And I think, you know, generally speaking, people probably underestimate their capabilities with these sorts of things. You know, I've heard so many people say, I couldn't do that because I get I need my sleep, you know, I need yep. to. And that, that, that definitely doesn't apply. You know, that's not not a reason to not try. Um, yep. Yeah, that would probably yeah, be my so key having, things.
0: Yeah, good. So having a supportive team that are doing it for the same reasons hmm. and, uh, and then actually just having a crack at it, and I guess, Part of that is also yeah, building up a little bit as well, isn't it? It doesn't need yeah. to be that hey, I want to try and finish the whole lot. It's actually I want to try and actually do as much as I can or do other smaller races as well.
3: Yeah.
2: Like yeah, I guess EV team has got their own goal and you know, I guess that would be the really important thing. You don't want half the team wanting to finish and half the team just wanting to get through the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
1: right. What's um what's up next, Sophie? Other than house and children and work and all those sorts of things on the on the uh, adventure side of things
2: it's as well. that's as far as i've thought is house <laughs> and work and children and the washing that i need to hang out <laughs> no i um i yeah no i don't have anything on the horizon at the moment um you know life is different to when i used to race and uh, it was all about well, yeah, I guess before kids is probably what I mean. You know, it was all about sort of training and racing in the next one. But um now I'm just happy just chilling and hanging out with the kids and yeah. Giving Nick a bit of time. He's been Pretty out awesome. hunting or- he's he's been out hunting already, so that's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Hey, I really appreciate your time, Sophie, but we're not um finished with it just yet. We've got a quick five that we're gonna rattle through. Um and uh just off the top of your head, what can you come up with? So um uh, I was warned about this. Yeah, <laughs> you were. <will.
1: laughs> and they're not politician answers either. They've got to be direct to the point and, you know, we've got to have something out of it. So, um, what's your favorite event? Uh,
0: Godzone. Godzone. Can we ask you w- w- whether there's a favorite God zone?
2: Uh Probably the first one.
0: Right. From Fjordland.
2: Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. From Melford. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Milford, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, I'm going to just go straight in there. As, uh, do we have a favourite ice cream flavour? Guessing or, that you eat ice cream. Not everybody does. Guessing what? That uh, that you eat ice cream because not everybody does.
2: Do you know what? Give me an apple and rhubarb crumble any day. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. <laughs> right, which well, was my next sort of comma or favourite dessert But I just thought, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, so apple yeah. rhubarb crumble. Good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a fancy meal out or a home cooked meal in?
2: Oh, home cooked meal in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, favorite snack to eat while out on an adventure? Oh, uh,
2: um, crikey. Coffee? Does that count? Can I say
0: coffee?
2: Uh, it's a bit like, yeah, oh, it depends. Is
0: that like coffee bike ride? Is that what we're doing? We're going for a ride and then having a coffee or? how's that coffee? yeah out? oh
2: well when we go training we stop and put the billy on and have a coffee by the river
1: and you're in a pretty um fortunate part of the country so this might be a pretty easy question but your favorite place to run oh
2: um yeah definitely some good trails here but probably kohi point and Orby beach that's where i grew up best, oh, best oh. coastal run best beach run yeah
0: yeah, brilliant. Awesome, Sophie. Hey, Thank thanks you for all. your time. Uh, are we are we two kids down or are we still 50 50 at the moment?
2: Uh, I think we're still 50 50. Oh, no, okay. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I better hang around and watch the rest of the show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we're quite busy and important. Nice yeah, well, you yeah. take care. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, well done. A fantastic effort and uh, super, yeah. super awesome to be able to cheer you on and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. Yeah. Thank you,
2: Richard. Thanks, Matt.
0: Cool. See you later, out. Sophie.
1: Right. Oh, sorry a bit short there um <laughs> so um so calm isn't she like you can just imagine um i guess your persona during a race you know when everything's mm. going on it's just like no problem here we'll just carry on Tick away kind of thing, yep. Yep.
0: No, yeah yeah no that's right and but obviously driven as well and uh and uh, yeah pushes herself hard and and that's why she has done so well as well yeah. doesn't she she doesn't give yeah. up and she just keeps on working hard which is awesome and and obviously it shows in the rest of life and all the other things she's that she's up to
1: and i think that you know that sort of experience just kind of shows year after year doesn't it i mean we talk about it on different podcasts and those sorts of things and and when you can do a known race you can identify when to kind of push hard and when to rest up can't you i guess adventure racing you don't have that kind of foresight i guess when you're when you're bashing through forest, um, it's sort of kind of self-explanatory, but it must feel pretty good when you get out on that bike um, and the
0: miles tick away a bit quicker, that's for sure. Yeah, just getting it done, eh? Just let's yeah. let's get that done. Um, yeah. Before we jump into catch up with Laura, I just want to have a quick sort of moment for a second just to make sure that people that are listening to this are aware of our Signature Homes uh, Emerging Athlete Program that we've got up and running. So basically this is for any up-and-coming athlete between the ages of 17 and 25, for a year's worth of coaching and training support, strength training, nutrition, et cetera, to basically help them go from where they are now to where they want to go. And you don't need to be a New Zealand-based athlete. You need to be just, hey, these are my goals and this is what I want to do. This is what I'm trying to be, um, et cetera. So buzz us an email um, if you if you can't find that through our social media feed. And uh, yeah, we'd, we've uh, got a bunch of people that have put their name down already, but um, throw your name down. It's super excited that signature homes have come on board with us so uh make sure you find out about that as well if you haven't already if you know somebody or or you're that person that hey that could be for me
1: yep no really a really good opportunity for somebody to get get on board and and set those goals those big hairy audacious goals that we all have and um get into it
0: Yep, good stuff so we've got Laura Patty who's going to come on the show. Laura is, uh, had a crack. This was actually a second crack at Godzone. Her first Godzone didn't last particularly long, and she ended up, uh, oh, well, uh, I think one of her teammates pulled out, and then she ended up going to run the Mototapa Ultra like the next day because um, she had all this pent-up energy. So she wanted to go deep and see what she was capable of in Godzone, and I think she definitely got that this time around. Is she sitting in the yeah. background there? Yep.
1: Yeah. Now let's bring her on. Laura, how are you this evening?
3: Yes, good. Thank you
1: it's good all
3: recovered our, uh getting there yep we've had two two days now of no naps so going well yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: just about time
3: yeah. to get back
0: to work then yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome um talk us through it um laura it's a a big mission what was your goals mm. coming into the event?
3: uh our team goals were yeah to try that full course so we wanted to yeah. try and finish as a complete team um was definitely what we we're aiming for. So to push ourselves as far as we could as a team, definitely we're all on that same page. Yeah.
0: Nice. And why? Why Godzone?
3: Uh, number one, I love the adventure. So choosing those races that you like to train for, really. Um, so the lead up is just as important as the race and super enjoyed yeah. all the missions, um, making the most of what's out there. And then there's always that little bit Maybe really, um, a team race adds another dynamic to an individual race. So yeah, yeah just being able to um, push yourself, but also yeah, uh, just sort of yeah, enjoying the outdoors and the and everything else you enjoy. Enjoying mountain biking, pack rafting, super fun, um, and then hiking. So yeah, it's good.
0: Yeah, good, good, good. And you and and you do you're not not to a solo mission, but you definitely enjoy hanging out with a few teammates as well.
3: Yeah, even when I do a solo mission, I end up. Um, finding friends so yeah. <laughs> I, I consider myself a fairly social person yeah
0: <laughs> what did the training look like for you and the leader
3: uh well we had um a lot obviously the big goal was was going to be the ultra run for so the revenue in, in, in January so we had a lot of time yep. on feet which mm. for this particular god zone was a godsend um for sure mm. and then in that short space in between we had seven weeks after that to uh, a recover and then b get some time in the saddle um so sort of one big run so that was all ticking along quite nicely, yeah, until three weeks out um, when I rolled my ankle pretty bad.
0: So um, Yeah,
3: that that's three my the yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. That's that whole
0: thing about actually getting to the start line is often the toughest part of any event. How did that, so, I mean, we talked through that and sort of figured it out mm. and did what we can. Um, yeah. I mean, it was almost a positive in the end, wasn't it, for you? A- yeah. Actually not being able to do too much in the lead up yeah. and kind of hoping your ankle was going to be okay.
3: Yeah, yeah, pretty much. It made me back off pretty hard, um, which was good, and um, and put my feet up. But at the same time, well, I suppose it gave me more time to be organised too, which is quite nice. Um, so in the end, I got away with it extraordinarily well, yeah, um, and didn't have one twinge out there. So, um, blessing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is a tribute to you in terms of that rehab yeah. that you did. But I did uh, want you to get an X-ray when you showed me a picture of it because it looked awful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's awesome that you're able to not only line up but do well and not yeah. for it not to be issues. That's awesome.
3: Yeah. Followed followed yep. all my physio's orders. Got a an doctor sounded and yeah, we had we had some ligaments torn, but we knew which ones and we knew. Yeah, did did what everyone told me to do. Tried to be a good patient, pretty much. <laughs> but, <laughs> oh, everything they told me to do, apart from not do the race.
0: Much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, were you nervous standing on the start line? Often that's a place that you, there's a few butterflies going on. What was happening for you on the start line this time around?
3: <laughs> what's well, happening to me on the start line? I uh, didn't get a time yeah. to be nervous. I didn't have the best start to the race. Um, yep. probably that, that, was, that was
0: a leading question because I think I knew the answer. <laughs> Tell us about that start yeah.
3: So we got caught up in some roadworks, um, which just meant we were going to have an extra half-hour buffer when we got there, which means we didn't. So it was all very rushed, getting the packraft blown mm-hmm. up. And unfortunately, in wave three, you're parked quite a wee way from the start. So by the time we walked it all the way down, which is a good seven, eight-minute walk with your packraft, put the packraft near, about to walk to the start line, and I didn't have the maps, compass, or the race passport on me. So um, the 30 seconds till start time, and our car's about 3 k away. Um yeah, I ran a I ran some probably good three minute thirty Ks there to go and find it. Um and we were the single little group of two patgrass going in between wave three and wave four. This is off we <laughs> went five minutes late. So um probably shouldn't have panicked so much for an eight day race um to get started, but um anyway we laughed about it later yeah but i didn't have time to get nervous no <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the boys were like you left it where is it so then you're off yeah pretty much what. yeah i was like oh, no, sorry, so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> it wasn't the first time i had a few pas. i lost my bib for a while and it was actually down my wet weather pants for about an hour
0: okay mm. right right that's it uh, mm. and and uh after that i would imagine that the maps weren't yours and the the race passport wasn't yours the compass wasn't yours so, or how did that go for the rest of the race?
3: It was still mine. Um, I tried to offer that race passport all the a few times, but um, I just said, "Don't lose it." So I tried my hardest not to. I never <laughs> lost it. I just put it in really safe places that I couldn't find it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That whole it made thing. it to the
3: finish line, but it was a bit stressful. So back, not again. i back,
0: not. <laughs> Nobody wanted the responsibility. <laughs> They'll give it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Um, and at uh, that third stage, 155 k's of pack rafting and trekking. It was pretty epic. Uh, You also Mm. ran into a few locals Oh yeah. on the lake as well. Tell us about this.
3: Yeah, we ran into bean sprout on the coast. So um, the sprouts
0: um, had
3: a self-contained home next to one of the dock huts. So they came out and said hi to us. And they're all connected to some satellite internet. And so they're all following our teams and giving us the down low on everyone. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had a chat with them. And then we got to Lake Alabaster. There's a guy in a dinghy. And he was handing out beers to competitors. He doesn't like beer, but he gets given it. So a few teams actually did take it. We should have. We didn't. But a few teams took some beers off him. And then uh, if Richie ever listens to this, he needs to go back to Alabaster and give this guy his autograph. But he was actually secretly on the lake with a vivid in his hand Waiting for richie 's team to try and get richie 's signature, so he helped us pass a good forty minutes just chatting to us trout fishing um, while we grafted the lake, but then he 's been messaging the sprouts on the coast, and yeah, so it all they all know each other, and it was just great. great to see the locals loving it, following us, cheering us on. Um, and there were some water aid stations people put outside their houses, and it just means a lot. So locals getting behind it was so cool, yeah.
0: That's super cool. But Richie had already pulled out by that stage, so he'd never actually arrived across the lake, so that's pretty gutting, isn't
3: it? No, so yeah, that's what I mean. If he ever listens to this, then you've got to go find the man. He's got an air in there somewhere.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Classic. Um, There's there's plenty of Type 2 fun in any adventure race, and the other bits that are actually just not, got kind of about it all, they just downright ugly. Did you have any dark moments for yourself during the race that you're like, oh, that ref- on reflection you can have a laugh, but on the time they went that flash?
3: Yeah, definitely. Like, not dark where I didn't think I could keep going, but dark as in um, just a stage three when we were doing that Hidden Falls Creek part. So we were averaging probably 500 meters in an hour. It went on for a long time. Yes. It was raining, it was yeah. dark. We'd camped in a swamp. We didn't know how far away from the river we could have been. Um, Big shout out to team Meridian there, um, helping I think the two teams got along really well. And we sort of supported each other through, a, 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 yeah, a, there was a lot of hazards and danger out there. And it suddenly didn't become about God's own anymore. It just became about getting the team out. It was taking longer, just about being safe. Um, and suddenly you were like, pretty much stuff this race. We just got to look after each other. So mm-hmm. um, this is no longer a race. This is us being in the bush with likely going to run out a bit of food. Um, it is wet and miserable. We're sleeping in a swamp. So, um, when the next morning we got up and we made it to the river, I was fine, but I definitely just cried. And I cried probably for a good 10 minutes and just put my head on a teammate's shoulder. And he's like, You're right. I was like, I will be fine. I think it was relief. I think it was yeah. a lot more pent up inside of you than you realize. Um, yeah. So, but happy to keep moving, but just needed to let it out. Just. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, just, it's not all magic out there, yeah. Definitely had a couple of moments. Where I was just like, oh, oh, my goodness, I can't believe we got out of that bush. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yep, yep. yeah. Um, but on the uh, the flip side of that, have you got a story that actually this was amazing?
3: Oh, absolutely. We had some really cool sunrises. Um, those mountain bikes, although they were long, um, and typical God zone, it's always longer than what they state. Um, that's fine. That's how they make it work. But uh, the the scenery, even in that big stage three, coming over park paths, like looking around, and we did take time as a team. We remind each other, um, have a look around, see where we are, and actually just really enjoy it. And man, to get there was so satisfying, and the views are stunning, and obviously the finish line's pretty sweet.
0: Yeah, yeah, good, good, good. And you do, you are like you do like a bit of chat, and it's the social element of any yeah. any event or any any adventure. Uh, how was the last yeah. uh, beach? Nineteen k's on the beach. At the end, how was that for you?
3: <laughs> yeah, it was good. I bumped into a couple of people that I knew. So I got. Um, I just kind of was like, I, I suppose my frame of mind at that point was we've kind of made it. Let's just enjoy the speech. And i got chatting as I do. Um, and the boys wanted to pull finger, which is cool, and sort of get a bit of a jog on and minimize the pain. Um, and get to the finish as soon as possible. So um, I had to leave my yarns for later uh, and, and do that later on, and then go on and um, and have a jog with them. So yeah, we ended up jog walking all the way to the finish, and um, definitely cutting probably a good forty minutes off our time there. So I think we all we all won. That was my time. I had to sort of yeah pull up my bootstraps and get going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> There's a question here um, that's come up uh, from one of your Facebook watchers, um, <laughs> and the question is: Does the
3: support?
1: Oh, sorry, that one just cut out. Okay, so there's there was a question from a Facebook support crew. Do a lot of work for you, or do you do most of it yourself?
3: Oh, good question. Um... You could run that two ways. What do I think works best? If you look after your own gear and they're looking after food and drink, we probably got a little bit guilty of getting them to look after too much of our stuff to make it run efficiently. Um, so there was a big learning curve in a new team there. Um, so I would say you've got to, it's got to be 50-50 still. They're not there to mop up stuff for you completely or else you will be inefficient. Yeah, for sure. Mm. So you've almost got to break down those roles a little bit more. So that they're doing shoving food in front of your face, eat it. Looking after getting your stuff clean when you're away, but you're sort of managing your gear to repack. I think possibly yeah. would be the best way, which we got there eventually. But yeah, it's pretty cozy and <laughs> transition too when someone's offering you coffee and hot chocolates and um, stuff. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a trap you can fall into. Yeah, yeah
0: sure, exactly. Um, well, what's next for you? Where are you off to? Where are you off to next? Have you got? Uh, is, is there another God zone? In the, in the pipeline? Have you got other sort of adventures on the cards? What's happening next?
3: Uh, technically, uh, after this, it has been a pretty epic summer for us, um, and Rich yep. has been doing an amazing job at guiding me along. So, there's some RR to be had, and just some like fun missions is what's on my calendar, really. So, where you might only walk for four hours, and we're going to spend a whole afternoon at a hut um, and do some fun. Um, yes. There's definitely another nudge at the revenant in me. Um, so, I want to go back for round two and but otherwise, I kind of call myself semi-retired at the moment until I'm ready to come out of retirement. That's how I
0: cope. <laughs> right, so we look forward to, ta-da, I'm out yeah. of retirement, everybody.
3: Yeah, yeah. Just joking. Here I am.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Job. Hey, that's Very awesome, cool. Laura. Fantastic cool. effort. Love your stories and uh, stoked to hear that you're recovering well and you're you're on the front foot and, and not so many nanonaps in the last couple of days. Um, and, yeah. yeah. Perfect. And all the best for the next <laughs> adventure. Awesome, thanks, Thank you Okay, mate. thanks, Laura. See
3: you
1: later. Yeah. It's the sort of event that just must have so many stories. You know, I guess you think of people that have done it once or done half of it, even. You know, some of the people yeah. that do the get short course and, and still miss out a bunch. They they must still have so many stories to tell. Um, and and the worse
0: it goes. The better the stories are often as well, aren't they? That's, uh, yeah, that's fun. yeah,
1: yeah. I think yeah. Um,
0: leaving your map in the car before the start line. I didn't ask Sophie about that, but uh, <laughs> that's pretty funny.
1: Yeah, things you learn. It's failure um, failure's just feedback, right? It's um, it every, yep. every time yep. you're learning something.
0: Yep, that's yeah, that's right. That's right. So, who else have we got on the show tonight? One more guest. One more guest, yes. Yeah, Pretty stoked to um, manage to grab Warren Bates on the show. So Warren is the um, the creator, the organizer, the 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 man behind the the epic course, etc. So yeah, really keen to have a bit of a chat <laughs> to Warren about sort of how this come about, and oh, obviously the, the and the way that Godzone has grown over the last ten years as well. Um, is as, a, is, just just
1: before I bring him on, he's yes. he's probably the sort of person that's got heaps of mates but heaps of enemies. <laughs> <laughs> Over about a seven day period.
0: <laughs> yes, that's right. I talked to Adam as uh, offsider and he said he was he couldn't talk tonight because he's going into uh Fjordland to repent all his sins from uh, from the previous <laughs> week. So um, yeah. Oh,
1: let's, let's bring him in. Warren, how are we tonight?
4: I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> um as I said, probably the best month of my life is the month after God's own. So yeah. uh Feeling a little bit less stressed, but um, happy.
0: Good, good, good. So have, uh, on on reflection, like obviously, um, any event organizer, it's a massive deal, and and obviously, I think I mentioned earlier on that you must be must be pretty stressful having like competitive strewing across the whole of the South Island. It's a big job. I don't know how how much were they spread out at their most spread out point. Was it four hundred kilometres? Is it more than that?
4: Um. Yeah, days and kilometres. Yeah. And if we didn't short course people, the difference between Avea and Sophie's team and the back markers would be colossal. So, yes. um, yeah, it's uh, it's a big exercise in logistics and personnel management and mm. safety, walking that tightrope of risk and return. Yes. And, yeah, we just sort of juggle most people are signing up for a real adventure, I guess, and they don't want to be. I don't don't think they want things sugar coated, but mm. you know we're all, also mindful of what can go, what can go wrong, and um, it's a bit of a balancing act. But I think we've pretty much got most things about right over ten years, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're right. still going. And and what I love
0: about what you've done sort of as it's evolved from like used to be the Southern Traverses is, is just the way that you get people to the finish line and people to have positive experiences. And no matter what's gone on before, if the teammates pulled out or actually you're going to need to be short course, but you can still get across that finish line and, and, uh, and see your supporters and have that positive experience. I think you do a super job at that.
4: Yeah, I've always been of the opinion and actually think the guys at the back of the field actually have a harder job of it than the guys at the front Mm -hmm. who can just, you know, Chris doesn't put a foot wrong and they blitz through the course and there they go, four or five days. And then you think about the poor people who are out there for 10 days, you know, death by a thousand cuts, really. And, you know, they're having a much tougher time of it. They have to carry more food because a stage Mm -hmm. which takes those teams two days takes them four And their kit isn't quite well dialed in and they get foot problems because they're on their feet for four days instead of two. So the problems compound. So we've got a lot of respect for those people who do it at that end of the course. And so for us, it's, as I've said it before, it's Godzone isn't really a race as such. It's an experience or like climbing Mount Everest and you turn up to do your personal challenge. And this season the weather shines and you're in good condition and you get to the summit you turn up for the next five seasons and the weather's unkind and you're not in the right condition and you fail. And it isn't a race. It's just your own experience. And 90% of the people turning up are really just trying to kick off a a full course finish. And then there's a few at the pointy end who are looking for podiums and stuff. And, uh, you know, I guess the ethos of the event is around that sense that anybody 70 or 17 years old can come and have a go at their personal Everest. And lots fail in the history of the event, more have failed than have finished but that's what it is and hopefully people will continue to try and give it a go Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm.
0: yep yep and that's that's fantastic that it's there and and uh and it's doable but there's a lot of things that got to go right there's a bit of luck involved as well managing how much gear uh even just personally individually for one person but times that by four across four people across that many stages it's uh it's a big undertaking and obviously that's part of experience gives you is decreasing the chances of things going wrong and managing yourself and your your team and your gear and everything um better as well how do you go about planning a course like this like there was a lot of work like like all the way through it was like well this was going to be epic this was going to be bigger than what we've done but obviously that point to point sort of nature how did that come about
4: oh well i had an idea for quite some time that for the 10th edition we needed to do something that was not out there but a little bit different yep. traditionally we would go to a host location whether it's Kaikoura, wanaka tasman wherever just pick your place mm. we decide to showcase the event there we jump on board with those people did we do a showcase of that region then we move on yeah. and that clearly doesn't really work with the coast to coast initiative and so we were given carte blanche really to go wherever we wanted and realistically I thought for this edition it was going to come down south somewhere and when I started doing my research I realised there's not too many easy ways to cross, cross the southern alps and yeah. so that sort of like drilled it down to a fewer locations and then I really had this idea that I wanted to do as much variety of terrain um, that we could cram in without too many of the stages feeling like they were just transit legs because like we've done an amazing section and then our bugger we've got to do 200k's bike riding because we've got to get to somewhere else so it was really the skill was in trying to go well no, those bike legs actually offered something or gave something back to the team that were rewarding and um, whether that was the views or the descent and that's the skill in creating a course where you don't just have kick-ass stages and then just desperately bad ones, that all of them add some kind of value, whether it's a navigational challenge or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah, it's and we knew it was going to be long because it's quite hard to go from one side to the other without, um, I say, without some doomsday stage where you just pedal mm. 300 kilometres on the road to get to the end. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's the interesting part of the job, actually. And, you know, it's been a privilege for me to actually, over the last 10 years, to explore so much amazing New Zealand backcountry um and to piece these things together and I guess you know in the early days of course development I'm a little bit like a failed author where there's a you know a, a bin behind me with lots of screwed up pieces of paper but over the years I've just got a little bit better at knowing what works and what doesn't work and the, the pile near the bin is a little bit smaller than it used to be so um yep. hopefully it works
0: how much of the course do you recce you actually go out and see yourself and and do yourself and in, in in one hit
4: uh, in one hit, none of it. Or, or like, like <laughs> for example,
0: the 155 pounds, not... go and
4: do pieces of that, or did you, like, yeah? Oh, like... no, all, all of it. All of it. You've I done, mean, to on. some extent, I mean, the reality is, is, you know, for example, the Air Mountains is a was a, a big trekking stage in the middle of the race, stage five, and um, yeah. you know, the reality is there's multiple route options that people took, and so it was impractical for me to go and recce, all of it. Yes. Um, yeah. But we might look at it and go, well, our uh, first things first, I need to know that there's a legit line through and um, we might do that in two parts. So we might do it in one mission. And um, so, yeah, I'm still just about fleet of foot enough to be able to knock most of these things off, but you know, I'm a fair weather traveler now. So I know um, we'll tend to do it when the weather's good and we're feeling fresh and we fancy doing a mission and we still make mistakes. And I still, for this God's own, I, went and trekked with Adam through the Silver Peaks, you know, and spent a number of hours up there looking at routes. And we didn't even go there in the end. And so you have these wasted missions. But I think it's important that we go and see what it is the teams are doing. And um, I guess whether it meets the adventure and safety thresholds that we kind of aspire to. Yeah, you need to have a feel for what they're actually going to go through and how
0: they're going to be feeling and all those sorts of things to, to put it together as you, as, you, as you said what's a highlight what was a highlight or a sort of key moment in this year's event that that, that really I guess means that you keep doing your job and 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 keep doing this because it's a as you mentioned like uh, back end of March and April were your favorite months what was the key highlight this time around?
4: Um, but nobody died. Um, And I say that slightly flippantly, of course, but that every year, you Mm. know, like we run the tightrope, as I said, more so than possibly any other event in New Zealand of risk and return. Mm. And Mm. we put people into challenging locations and we ask them to be responsible, but sometimes people are not responsible. And Sophie would be able to tell you her own experiences of traveling Mm. across flooded rivers and things that you do where you take a second thought and think that wasn't the right thing to do. And we have teams who aren't the best paddlers in the world who just blasé go down the rivers. They don't check any rapids and and they're just not following protocols. So we're always mindful of those things going on. So people getting home safely. Yeah. We're always going to get injuries and stuff like that. And that sort of goes to the territory, helicopter evacuations. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. But I think outside of that, what filled me with the, the best feelings about the race was actually the amount of 20 somethings or younger yeah. and even early 30s these amount of teams racing now. And this is a sport in a very different position than it was when, you know, we kicked off God's Own back in 2010, 11, 12, yeah. you know, there was primarily be 40, 50 somethings old buggers like me, who'd been doing it for a long time or had a bit of nostalgia for it. And all of a sudden now we we're standing at Lake Ellery after on the first day and I was going, God, that's a young team. Good God, they look young. Oh, my God, who are they? They look young. And every team after team after team was just like, because these are kids, and they're doing amazingly well. Yeah. And that, to me, is a sign of a sport in good health. You know, it's yeah. it's it's appealing to the a future generation of kids, and they'll go off and inspire. And then you get to the finish line, and those youngsters are coming through, and there's youngsters cheering them on going, these guys are amazing. I want to give this a crack. And yeah. That's always been our mission, really. It's like that's why we've got a hundred thousand people on social media across the board now, and our media messages is always about like, come and give adventure racing a go. It's an awesome mm-hmm. experience. It's very rewarding. It's tough. There's nothing else quite like it. And in an age of spin, false reality, and all the crap that goes on in everybody's life, it doesn't get more yeah. legit than own. And you know, I just think that feeling of watching these kids racing now and thinking they're the future champions—not just in New Zealand, but of the world—if yep. they stick at it, great. It's good for the sport, and it's it's pleasing for us to see, and hopefully, like you know, continue doing it. And just great personal development as well, like across the board, no matter
0: what age, people are just learning stuff about themselves and and working in teams and and all those things that come with that as well, which is pretty amazing.
4: Yeah, I mean, if you're 16, 17, 18 seventeen, old and you've just done eight, nine days of God's own, you've got no fear of anything in your life, honestly. You're up hidden falls in the middle of the night. You're making decisions for yourself. You've got a group of people around you, and you've got to learn to trust them. Sometimes you're going to make some tough decisions, even the decisions around whether you pull out or not. If you're injured, is it the right call? You're sitting there hovering your hand over the button going, do we pull the helicopter in or can I limp out? Yep. They're real decisions, and... Um, you know that's how you grow as a person and i honestly think you know i've experienced it through my own kids at the moment is that they often learn an awful lot more from their failures than their successes and if you come to god's own often enough you're gonna have a lot of failures so it's a great place to learn <laughs> Fantastic. that's a
0: good selling point um feet were a big issue with teams this year with especially that long trekking stage and obviously the teams that took a bit longer it always it just gets harder as well um could you explain, obviously, your your experience as a venture racer in your own right, but also um, being involved in this event for a number of years as well, some key rules about how to manage your feet, especially during a a, a wet multi-day stage like that 155K stage three in this year's event?
4: Yeah, well, I think it's an interesting point before I f- think about the feet, a very yeah. unpleasant subject, but it's to me it's kind of like always struck me that the more extreme the event you that you do and that's either distance heat or altitude say for example then the less time you need to think about training and the more time you need to think about conditioning Mm -hmm. and i know there's a blur between the two but i remember sort of you know from some of my own historical kind of races you know races in places like utah and um in brazil where it's crazy hot or crazy humid and i came away from those races going i shouldn't have even bothered doing much training all I should have done is spent weeks in the spa sort of the sauna and just been absolutely cooking myself because coping with the temperature was like yep. the most well then, and you go and race in Ecuador and the lowest point of the course is three and a half thousand meters and half the course is at five thousand meters and you're wasting your time even thinking about being fit if you're not acclimatized to the altitude we went out there a few weeks before to get ready for it you're really, really going to be up against it. No matter how fit you are, you just feel sick as a dog from the get-go. And I look at a race like this where it's 10 days long, nine days long, eight days long, and most of the teams are going to take eight. It's almost so long that the fitness is something you do mid-early part of the year, but everything happening in that last few months is all about going, how do I prepare myself for the physicality of it? And if you're load hauling 20kg, two wet pack rafts, lots of food, Your lower limbs, your back, your feet are going to take an absolute pasting. And you have to ask yourself the question, what does your training regime look like? If you're running to work or biking, is that really preparing you for wading over logs, going through swamps, carrying 20 kg, you know, like time and time again? And it's probably not. And it's no surprises that Avaeh and those guys who are so experienced at that load hauling and carrying those weights in difficult terrain, didn't suffer the lower leg injuries their feet were in relatively good condition and um, you know that allows you to not necessarily enjoy the experience but at least to be able to think about something other than how sore your feet are every time you put your feet down yes. Um, so I think conditioning is such a, a vital part of it and I think you know anything over three four days it should be such an important part of your preparation you know getting ready for those things and it seems a funny thing but I still see people now like coming out after the first bike ride and their ass is so sore that they can't even put it down on the saddle and you're going, you know, what have you been yeah. doing? You know, you need to sort of think about how you can do that. And if you're someone that's particularly prone to that, then you need to be looking at alternatives going, don't carry a backpack, get all the weight on the bike. Cause every bit of weight you put in on your back, which is just being driven through your saddle is just going to increase the discomfort. Yeah, I mean, yeah. one yeah. thing from the feet perspective that really worked well for me back in the day because i never had great feet was um something that ian edmund actually put me onto a long long time ago was that in the six eight weeks before the race i just go completely barefoot everywhere and i would just build up time on concrete and it would be painful for the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. you know and then i two days later i'm running for 20 minutes on the concrete three days later i'm running for 30 minutes on the concrete and it's amazing how tough your feet will right. get yeah. you yep. know it's that Period of kind of like adaptation, recovery, adaptation, recovery. And you're not looking for feet that end up looking like, you know, hunks of wood. They need to be tough but supple. And yep. I mean, there's a bit of work that people could do to actually allow themselves to go, well, I know it's going to be tough. And I know a lot of this event is in my head. But if I'm not moaning every time my feet hit the ground, or I'm not complaining every time I put my bum on the saddle, I'm not really sore every time my, um, you know backpack goes on my shoulders then everything else can actually seem like quite a breeze yes 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 and you can end up enjoying that experience so much more rather than just suffering etc during it yeah well there's plenty enough suffering rather than to add to it and you you should be everything in your hand everything in your power yeah to remove those little niggles and um sometimes it is the the little niggles which just eat away at you day after day after day and it's like just this is just just so painful it's just unpleasant and yeah there were plenty of problem feet at the event and yeah anything you can do to mitigate that is is a win yep
0: yep yep so so on that whole hey we're looking to do this for the first time you've already talked about i think a number of them in terms of like conditioning your feet conditioning your bum uh getting your i guess just your systems in place but do you have some key kind of Pitfalls, mistakes that that first timers or, or people that aren't so experienced tend to make, either either from a, just a actual race craft, race strategy sort of situation.
4: Well, first thing I'd say is, I mean, it's a statement of the obvious, but a lot of teams just come in straight and go to the pure race because they see it as like the holy grail, and yes. a lot of them fail, and it's like well, there's a pursuit race there, which is still really really difficult, yeah. and maybe is the place for those guys to cut their teeth first time out but Mm -hmm. you know we try not to be elitist and if you want to come and give the pure race a crack then i say it every year but you know most people fail because they mistake make mistakes with navigation and they're ill prepared for what's ahead and then the third thing which a lot of teams get wrong is team dynamics and every year we say to people you know have a sit down ensure you're all on the same page and the reality is I you know I I don't like confrontation I want to sit down with these three compatriots of mine and I want to feel all warm and fuzzy that we've got a common goal but in the back of my head I'm thinking now I want to win oh, I want a podium and I don't tell them and then you get halfway through the race and those three laggards are going well we just want to just cruise on through and we don't we're happy with the short course we're broken and those sorts of things can lead to problems i guess but i think you just gotta like we've had examples of people who've come to the event first time out i think we had a vets team that came in a number of years ago and they raced real smart Mm -hmm. they used their brains and you know they were adequately fit and they just ticked on through it and made a very good fist of it um so i mean obviously if you can get to someone like yourselves and actually develop a a program and Stick to the program and have a decent conditioning period. You know, in that lead-up, I think that makes a lot of sense. I just, you just got to be realistic about your goals, and for most teams, that really is just really just, you know, just come to a you know a full course finish if you can make it. Yes, yes, yeah, yep, fantastic. Some
1: awesome, awesome words of wisdom. Um, it's God's own ten. Um, what's what's up next? Is it God's own eleven, or or what else is on the cards? Or is it a bit early to t- talk about that now?
4: No, no, we've signed contracts. There is going to be a Chapter 11. Um, I always say never again. Um, But um, (laughs) I just sort of feel with the, while New Zealand, if there's a desire for me and the team to put this on and the sport is in a good state and we're starting to see these youngsters through, then I think it's important for us to continue leading and pushing things forward. And we've got some developments that we'd like to do, which would continue to raise the profile and use the sort of media reach and the social media reach that we have, which is by far the biggest of this sport anywhere in the world to actually say that New Zealand continues to be the home of adventure racing. And we're going to produce these future champions. And we want to look at some, stuff around kit and we want to look at some stuff around race formats we want to look at stuff around some serious prize money to hopefully elevate this into the national consciousness to say uh, being an adventure race is a is a cool thing to be yep
0: Yep. fantastic that's exciting
1: and i guess um just one more one more comment i guess is that probably i mean very very fortunate i guess for you guys to be able to run the event this year but i guess it's pretty cool that Whilst there were some internationals within the field, um, a, a large majority of it was was Kiwis, right? So pretty cool to have have that sort of uptake of, of locals.
4: Oh, yeah, no, the, the demand is amazing. I so, said like, we didn't know. You never know before you open up entries, but we literally sold out in, like, a minute. And, um, you know, at one point, we had, like, 140 teams registered, you know, in, those, in that first morning, and we're like, this is unreal. Like no expedition race ever in the history of the sport in like 30 plus years has ever done much more than a hundred. We've been close a number of times and you know, just, this is crazy. And we can, you know, bar COVID just, even if it was just been Kiwi teams, we'd have been at a hundred and we've got 35 international teams just sitting there rolling over for next year. So um, (laughs) it's really positive. And I do feel like internationals feel like, coming to God's own and New Zealand is the Holy Grail of adventure racing. Sure. It's expensive. It's a pain in the backside to get here and stuff, but this is, they want to race against Kiwis. They want to race in New Zealand. It's the ultimate test. And so hopefully we'll see a load of them here next year and it will be really exciting. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic.
0: Warren love what you do. You're, you're, um, and, and, and just the way that you've driven the sport and, and, uh, over the last 10 years, really, it's a testament to you and your team on how those youngsters are coming through and, and you've got this big hairy goal that's sitting out there and it's not something that like, just to say that you've actually finished it is pretty amazing. So yeah, hats off to you. I love what you do and uh, well done for challenging a whole bunch of different people to see what they can actually do for themselves and um, have all that personal growth and, and, a bunch of fun and adventures along the way so really appreciate your time and uh all the best for having a bit of r&r hopefully you got a few uh nana naps and things lined up for the next few days and um, look forward to catching up with you again soon
4: no i no, appreciate it thanks very much N- nice up. work Warren. we'll see you next year yeah, yeah cool
0: cheers Warren. thank you that's and, some pretty good uh, insights
1: uh, yeah. isn't it um when, yeah, when we talk about
0: Oh, it's hard sorry. to hard to do these conversations and go. oh, I'm not sure if uh, how's how's the start line looking for next year.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the thing, isn't it? You kind of your you, your body pro your your mind processes things. It's like you think about these fabulous sunrises that that everyone tonight has spoken about and the the cool scenery you go to, but then there's the oh, there's the food and the and the bare feet and the carrying a pack raft for for three days and. And those sorts of things, but that's that's just the challenge, isn't it? And the, the um, you've got to put yourself out there
0: and um, and get into it.
1: And and, and, right.
0: we, we and as, as Laura honestly said, some tears for ten minutes after not yeah. sure how that was going to go, um, and then also the the five hundred meter what what that's five hundred meters an hour sort of thing. That's not a very <laughs> good rate of question, is it? That's going to take you while. No, no. No, I mean it's one cool. of
1: my. One of my, um, I guess, life mottos is adapt and overcome, and I guess um, there's nothing more would be true about an event like this, right?
0: Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, pretty, yeah. pretty impressive. So I'll, uh, I'll look forward to your inquiry uh, tomorrow morning about getting that conditioning program sorted, Matt.
1: <laughs> yep. You know, I'll put the shoes away and um, we'll be into it. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, not tell, not going to not say that to Oscar. You're going to say, like, I want to buy some bare feet. Where do I get those from? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Exactly. So a massive thanks to Sophie, to Laura and to Warren for joining us. They're fantastic insights tonight and, and uh, well done on, on just a fantastic God's own each of them had. It was absolutely Mm. brilliant. And and all those others that are out there pushing the boundaries, having a crack at it, um, hats off to all of you. Absolutely fantastic. And um, thanks for holding the show together tonight, pushing the buttons, Matt, you've done super well. And uh, yeah, until next time, team CP, your endurance coaching specialist and big thanks to Solomon uh, for helping us put some, tonight's show together as well yep all right you go. go and put your feet up rich and um
1: see you next at the next show yep over and out. cheers matt
0: see ya